therapist, non-therapist, and everyone in between. My name is Ian Hammonds, and I need an intervention. And this is Therapy on Tap. I am here having a drink with fellow Austin, Texas therapist Patrick Harris and Hayden Lindsay, and our amazing special guest, Adam Maurer, who's joining us remotely. This is the most authentic way we know how to talk about therapy in a relaxed, non-judgmental environment, pint by pint, champagne cork by champagne cork. We are obviously deprived of a pub given the current pandemic. This is not a promotion of drinking, but instead humanizing the feel the best way that three actually and today four humans can share a space. So today I am so, so, so excited to introduce our topic, Queer People on Tap, or Therapy and Queer People on Tap. Um, but first, let's all go around the room and check in, because I think we all need it today. So who would like to go first? I don't really want to talk about my feelings. <laughs> oh, Lord. Super hetero. Uh <laughs> Um, I'll check in. Uh, this has been uh, a hell of a week, I, I think, for everyone. Uh, kind of first first day uh, first first day back from the holidays. So um, you know, going into uh, my work here, uh, expecting to hold space and and help people sort of work through the the muddled family stuff that tends to come up during the holidays. Um, and I don't know, something happened on, what, what was it, Tuesday um, with uh, in Washington, D.C. I don't have to uh, go over the details with everyone, but um, I think that kind of knocked everyone off kilter. And um, processing that in real time with people was uh, a very difficult. And so I've been, been holding, uh, holding space for a lot of people this week and haven't quite gotten to the point where I've, I've been able to make some time to check in with myself. So I'm feeling a little discombobulated at the moment, but um, I've got some good friends and some good beer and some good whiskey, and I think things are looking up headed into the weekend. Yeah, I'm not sure when this particular episode will drop, but definitely uh, we're recording this the week of the, I don't know what you would call it, riot, insurgency, fill in the blank <laughs> negative experience here. What is it? January, the first week of January, essentially. So that uh, it, it's definitely complicated and we'll get more into this in a different episode, but it it's weird making sense of it as just an American making sense out of it as somebody like watching the news and, and trying to like understand like what's all going on. Like we don't even know what to call it. Like yeah. you and I both stumbled over <laughs> what the hell do we call it? What is this? Shit show for is a clinical uh, yes. accepted term, but it it's dumbstafia. What I'm struggling with personally, and I don't know about y'all, but uh, I'm I'm not social media obsessed as some people are, but I am on social media a lot. Specifically, just like Facebook and Instagram are probably my two because I'm too old for TikTok and I I don't understand Snapchat. <laughs> but um, it's hard when you have an eclectic group of people that are just so far on one side, so far on the other side and just absolutely polarizing their experiences. And if you heaven forbid you have a different opinion or perspective, then you are automatically the enemy rather than like uh, a catalyst for a conversation. It's just us versus them now more than ever. It's, it's obnoxious. It uh, that's, that's the part that I'm struggling with. I've already like lost people, on my friend list for posting something about like, wow, like what a shit show and sign of disrespect or something like that. And, and the people that were 
supportive of what happened in DC were not happy with that uh, post, even though it was it was pretty vague. And yeah, I'm, it just it makes me sad that there's just like so much hate and anger and rage with no clear end in sight. So that's where I'm, and we get to see clients on top of that. So that's <laughs> super fun. <laughs> I don't know. That leads me into my check-in, to be honest, because I had, I think, the busiest week I've had. I work remotely 100%, and um, I've had the busiest week, I think, since before COVID. And ironically, it's funny It's funny that it was the busiest week because over half, I want to say a good 60%, 60 to 65% of my clients all talked about what's happening in Washington. And it's like as soon... I don't want to, you know, give away too much of what goes on in my sessions, but it was a lot of people that that was taking up a lot of their space. And in return, it was taking up a lot of mine. And it was really hard to kind of put it in a box. It's hard to kind of contain when there are so many people who are in pain right now, who are just experiencing vicarious trauma through what's going on um, in the world right now. Um yeah, there's there's a whole slew of other stuff that's happened this week, but that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm, I woke up this morning tired, usually, and usually I'll wake up. I only work Monday through Thursday, and we record this podcast on Friday afternoon. I usually get up super excited and jazzed, and today I was I was I was worn out. So that's where I'm at. It feels like I, I grew up in Houston. I, you grew up in Houston, mm-hmm. Ian. Where'd you grow? I did. Up? I mean, Hayden, where'd you grow up? D town, uh, so further up north. But so in Houston, D. hurricane season was a thing, like not as big of a thing for like Brownsville or Florida or anything like that. But it always reminds me of like growing up when there was a hurricane like headed towards Houston or Galveston, where mm-hmm. it could be you're like one day or you're a twelve hour window away from a Category five hurricane like making landfall, but it'll be sunny and and mm. just a gorgeous day. And that's what it, it fucking feels like now. That's what it felt like when Trump got. Uh, inaugurated that's what it felt like when he got elected that's what like the actual uh election day just the entire day feels like it's gorgeous outside and it it just feels like it's misleadingly beautiful and it's like something big's about you're watching this thing like inch your way yeah 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 and we're supposed to just go about our day and you know show up show up for our clients when we ourselves it's 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 hard to hard to do all that um how are you adam (laughs) Girl, I'm very fortunate. Like, I have done a good job of not allowing people in my life who don't understand what it's like to be marginalized. So, like, I don't have the experience of feeling torn because people in my life are like, this is some bullshit. Like, it is. White people really are wilded out. They do not know how to deal with, like, not getting what they want because they've had privilege so much. And so I've kind of like seen this coming. It's been more work to be there for clients. I work with mostly people who are marginalized because their race or ethnicity or their gender or sexuality. And so they've been, you know, really frightened. And the thing that keeps me together through all of it um, is thinking about this is more of like an extinguishing behavior. Like we know this shit has been a part of America. We done been new. This has been like written into the fabric of who we are. And we just haven't dealt with it. And this stuff coming to a head like this is making us deal with who we are as, as a nation. And so I don't, I don't like that it went down this way. I don't like that people that I care about feel scared. I do like that um, we have an opportunity to make it into something different, that we can um, use experiences like this that are chaotic and tragic and 
glean from them what we need to heal and do better and get make you know from my perspective like I'm I've never been like uh, very patriotic but I have been really hopeful that like America will become um, the ideals that it has and so that for me it's like a step towards that so there's like a, a little bit of hopefulness for me in all of it. That's amazing to hear. I think because we we lose, it's so easy for us to lose hope. I feel like, and the fact that I know another therapist right now who is hopeful and does see a silver lining, um, that makes me happy. That makes that's like okay. I honestly to go back to what you were saying of the of we're all kind of we're all kind of waking up is kind of what I see is like isolation and isol- isolationism has kind of. It's like what happens when you cage the beast, like, you know, you really, you, you really get in touch with, um, you know, what you're capable of. And I think people are really waking the fuck up now that we've all had time to just sit, um, we're, we're going like, yeah, these things that have been in place, these institutions, these, these ideals, they're not okay. Like, and they're, they, they need to end <laughs> ASAP. They needed to end yesterday. Yeah. And one, one of the things I'm really thankful for in some of my experiences as being like a queer person is it gives me like a window into that marginalization. Like when I got married to my primary partner, my husband, we couldn't get married in Texas. <laughs> like Texas law would not allow it. We had to go to another state. And so there's a part of me that's like, bitch, I, I know what it's like to, to a degree to not like be able to, to navigate the world with ease. And we were fortunate enough to have enough privilege to have uh, a way to go have a wedding in another state. <laughs> so, you know, we could we could access it mostly because we're white young people mm-hmm. <laughs> in this country. So it wasn't it wasn't that hard. But yeah, mm. I feel like you told me that at one time. Yeah, I, I think the first time that you ever you ever mentioned that. Yeah, I remember uh, that was the first time I met you at the Rare Bird Society that you host that I miss so very dearly. Um, yeah. yeah, I miss it. That was, I don't know. I, we can go into that another time. But um, Adam hosts an amazing, amazing um, happy hour for therapists called uh, Rare Bird Society. And it, I, it was actually my first way when I first moved to Austin, I actually went um and i just i immediately felt at home i was like i was i was meant to be here today so (laughs) thank you for just opening a bunch of doors that's so sweet of you what's funny to me is we we met through just mind where we both worked which i love i love them as an agency uh and terry who who is a co-owner of that i was like bitch are you trying to ship me and ian why do you keep telling me i need to like reach out to this person (laughs) like you know i don't do that i don't i'm not the fucking welcome wagon like I chill back and see if you're fucking cool, and if you're fucking cool, then we hang. Because what I don't want to do is explain to grown ass adults with master's degrees like <laughs> gender. <laughs> like I don't want to do all that. <laughs> not unless, not unless you're paying me. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there were actually several people that told us that like we we should meet, and I'm really glad that they did. So it, apparently, <laughs> a lot of people were just like, "Yeah, you you and Adam need to like kick it." So and here you are. Yeah, so. and, and Adam, this this is my this is Hayden, by the way. <laughs> I feel like we're we're uh, well. This is my first time meeting you, and our viewers or viewers listeners are still getting to know us. Um. Uh, but I've sort of been a, a, a Moon Tower fanboy for a while, 
and uh, and I just follow all your stuff online, and I just have to tell you how uh, appreciative I am of of your authenticity and and kind of I think you let your your freak flag fly a little bit, a lot of it, and um, yeah, that that is a, uh, a way of being like she's yeah. a foul pervert, <laughs> <laughs> proud pervert. Um, well, so I, <laughs> to that end, I, I feel like you've really given me uh, a lot of permission to be more authentic myself, especially. Uh, you know, in the, in the, uh, the public arena. Um, and just as a, as a, a white cis hetero guy, I was joking with Ian, if, if uh, y'all are rare birds, I think I'm a pigeon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate uh, but, that. I, I but, but if I can feel that, uh, 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 yeah, as a pigeon, I, I can only imagine how, how liberating and empowering and uh, it must be for, for marginalized folks in general and other queer folks in particular. And, and I just I love that you give permission, people permission to color outside of the lines a little bit. And, and so thank you. It's just yeah. amazing. And I'm, I'm so glad to have you here. Well, I appreciate that. I really don't know how to exist any other way. I was like, well, mm. I'm just going to do me. <laughs> and people either fuck with it or they don't. Um, now, one of the things that is great, I think, about from a therapeutic perspective, you know, we're usually taught to be very neutral, supposed to be beige on beige on beige. You don't have any opinion. You're just this blank slate. And unfortunately, for marginalized folks, that mm. shit is um, aggravating because we don't, you know, we're not taught to take up space. And so you show up for therapy and this person is just, a bland bowl of oatmeal and you're like, bitch, can I talk about my shit? Like, do you, do you even know what grinder is? Like, do you, <laughs> if I talk about <laughs> wanting to get fisted, like, is that going to be okay here? And, and it, I, my, my counter to that had been just to be like, I'm just going to be me to like amped up. So people feel free to do that for themselves. And it, it's been uh, a journey to do that in the public eye. <laughs> so yeah. I think there, there are times where I'm like growing and having my shit be on blast. And I'm like, well, girl, this is, this is part of the deal. Um, but it ultimately is really freeing, um, not just for me, but the people that I get to like be in orbit with. So I appreciate you saying that because sometimes, you know, being out there is a little scary, um, but it's the only way a bitch knows how to be. And I, I don't know that I would be doing this podcast if I hadn't been following you for the last six months or so, because, you know, it, it's it's like we've been admiring from afar. Uh, I don't know if you can already tell. I don't know. We're, we've already girls. we've we're, we've talked we're talking politics. We're drinking. We're talking about getting fisted on grind. You know, <laughs> it, it's like I, I didn't learn any of that at my my wonderful institution. Uh, <laughs> Shall not be named. I'll just abbreviate it. You had a fist. SMU. Or you went to the wrong school. Get uh, your money back. <laughs> <laughs> Six figures down the drain. I didn't even learn you know how to fist. Is. So, <laughs> so, so thank you. I, I, I mean that with all sincerity. I really like personally. I, I don't know that I would be comfortable being this authentic on uh, in the public eye if uh, if you hadn't given me that permission. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Um, it is humbling to to know that I'm done sucking your dick. I think. <laughs> Listen, just for, just for now, she can go a long time. You're not done yet. Trust. Um, <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. Um, it it takes a lot of of guts to do it for yourself, and then it's going to free other people. So, like in this, as much of a diva as I am, and I could soak in all, all the accolades. Um, the bigger picture is it's going to free other people more. It's going to give other people more permission to be radically authentic. And that's really the T. Like, I want people to be just free to be themselves. 
Um, I'm getting teary as I talk about this because mm. this is the shit that I care about. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I think that goes more than just that goes beyond just like therapist to therapist too. Cause I, I can imagine what it would be like to feel that you're a rare bird and then you hop on any type of like psychology today or database looking for a therapist. And it's just white woman after white woman after white woman. And being in Texas, I could imagine 80% of those are just like conservative Christian white women. And it's like, okay, Karen. where, where do I fit? Like who, who's going to be able to connect with me or at least understand me or at the very least, just not discriminate against me. Just virtue of being me, let alone my problems. Yeah. The difference between being, you know, queer friendly and queer knowledgeable is really uh, stark when you're in the community. Like queer friendly is like, you're not going to kick me out if, if, you know, I tell you what's up. Uh, queer knowledgeable is like, hey, you're going to be mindful enough in relationship work to ask me about my coming out experience and how that might influence how I interact in relationships. Mm-hmm. I like that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, you need to know, you need to feel. Our clients can actually feel an authenticity. Like just with us, like, you know, I, I did. I had a really long week and I even told I, I told one of my clients that and they're just like, I can tell um, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. ouch. Um, but no, like we can feel if our therapist, just like you said, Adam, is going to be a bland, a, you know, bland bowl of oatmeal or if they're actually going to contribute, if they're going to, you know, because, yeah, I, I'm the same. I don't want to just sit there and, and have to explain what grinder is and have to explain like the hookup culture and, and, you know, what it, what, what our, what our normal is when it's, it's nice to just feel that empathy coming from another person. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of this, Ian, is that, you know, people in our community oftentimes had to have heightened intuition to survive. And so we bring that superpower into therapy. And I can tell you, if there's a tinge of you don't get me, and if you're not willing to own it, bitch, I'm going to put you on blast. I'm going to be like, I don't know what this is, but something is not okay with this. What's up? (laughs) Tell me what you're thinking and feeling. (laughs) I I have brought some of my own personal therapist feet to the fire at times to be like, I think I said something that made you uncomfortable. What's up? You don't, you don't like that. I'm like using my sexuality to help manage my depression. I think it's okay. Here's why. What the fuck you think? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. I I mean, that see, um, I didn't even need to introduce the topic. To, I mean, so today we, <laughs> yeah, we are yeah, talking about 45 minutes into the podcast. There is queer people. <laughs> I mean, we had honestly, that's the thing is whenever we have a guest who comes on, it, it's really more of a collaborative conversation. It's not just me being full on Barbara Walters. I started doing that with one of the one of the other guests and she got really uncomfortable. And I'm sorry, Savannah. Anyway, he kept um, shining a flashlight in her eyes no, I and, <laughs> and said, tell me now, ma'am, have you been drinking lamp above her? Y- yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, I, I am curious, though, Adam, um, I like to ask all of the therapists who come on to this wretched show. Um, <laughs> wretched or wretched? I mean, and, and to this wretched profession, really. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, how did you what is the what is your inception? How did you get into counseling? Tell us just about your oh, past. Bitch, you're going to really make me cry. Um, so counseling saved my life, right? Like I uh, was a young queer person from fucking the closet. <laughs> like you, you can I look see like, you're still in the closet. Right yes, now. ma'am. I'm doing that for audio goodness. 
Uh, just we have, to like, be these, clear, he's recording in the closet. <laughs> for, we have these very locked listeners. ceilings, so to make it a little softer on uh, Mariah, <laughs> it's like, we, we make it a nice environment for her. Uh, that was a low-key flex, I think. <laughs> ceilings. Yeah, she opens up. Patrick, what are these? These are 10-foot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was like a queer kid. We can look at some of these pictures of me when I was little and be like, oh, baby girl. We we see you are shining. You are fabulous. And um, a safe place for me to hide as a kid was church. So I like got really good at church. And when I was 16, I came out to my youth group and they tried to pray my gay away. Spoiler alert. It did not take. Um, after that, I went like pretty deep in the closet for a bit. And in that, I had like a secret suicide attempt when I was 16, like two weeks after they tried to pray the gay away and it didn't happen. I felt like really crushed because I obviously didn't love God enough because if I did, I wouldn't be secretly masturbating to the wrestling magazines I'd stolen from my high school library. Um, that's how old I am. Like the internet was not in our house. So, um, so what ended up happening is like, I, I kind of like went to the edge of, of not existing and it, and it didn't take. And when I kind of like got my wits back about me, I had zero fucks left. I was like, this is some fucking bullshit. And that really birthed this kind of like rebellious, radical, fierce creature that you see today. It took me a minute after that to, to kind of figure out where to go. And when I was in undergrad, I found counseling at the university center. And the first person I went to was like, well, you know, Adam, it sounds like you have anger issues. And I was like, fuck you, I don't have anger issues. Mama, of course I was angry. Like, I couldn't be myself. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to, mm. to, to, to show up and show out. And the next therapist I had at the, the center in the next semester, uh, poor Megan. <laughs> I don't know if she was ready for all that she was opening me up to. Um, she had me do this exercise where I took a box, and on the outside I put what I project to the world, and on the inside what I hide. And on the inside of it was being queer, was my fetish for wrestling, and I was just like, oh, shit, like, this is really powerful. Um, and, and so a few years out of that, I was working in uh, rehab. So I was doing direct care at a rehab here in Texas, a ranch, hard to believe. Uh, she, can, she can be real country. And in doing that work, I was really yeah. good at talking to the kids. And um, the, the person who was the overseer of the, the therapy was like, Adam, you were fucking good at this. You need to go to grad school immediately. And told me like, I mean, like three or four years. And then I went to grad school and I just like slam dunked it on those hoes. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I had all this experience, right? Like I worked with maybe one of the hardest populations, which is like teenagers forced into rehab for months, right? Like they're there minimum nine months. So they, they were not happy campers. Um, as you're calling. Yeah. So I got to like go into like practicum and people would be like, Oh, someone feels like hurting themselves. I'm like, Oh girl, that's like, <laughs> I would have eight of those in a day. Here's what you do. Right. Like I would just lay it out for them. Um, so, you know, for me, therapy and specifically, um, sex therapy saved my life. So like, I have like this real, I don't like using the word sacred cause I have so much religious trauma. Um, but it, it feels like sacred to me, like space for, for what therapy can do for people. Um, it's just this like place where you just go to, to like, be your fucking self and figure out what that means to you. 
Mm-hmm. So amazing. You wow. just took me to church, girl. <laughs> Little did you know, you're going to get like such a long answer. <laughs> I loved it. Um, I had no idea that, that that was your like uh, trauma, really. I mean, I think anybody goes into therapy uh, just to kind of normalize um I mean, trauma is so common, I think, in, in, in queer people, really. I mean, it's trauma. I mean, I, I say it over and over again. It's traumatic to be born not like the rest. And it's also traumatic to just live out loud and proud. Uh, at least that's how that's what my take is. A lot of people have trauma just surrounding like themselves and, and just their self-identity and I was wondering if you could just kind of contribute to just the, the amount of trauma in the queer community. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, there's like big T trauma, little T trauma. Right. So some of the big T trauma, like having people tell you that you're not allowed to be a part of the family, even if this is like the real fucking twist to me, you know, you could have someone who is uh, a relative who's like on drugs, stolen from the family, hurt the family system, but they're welcome to like <laughs> fucking Christmas every year. <laughs> Because you like a little dick, you ain't welcome. Get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. Like, mm. that doesn't make any sort of sense to me. Um, so there's that level of trauma. That's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> and it, it, Put that on the it, teaser. Yeah, man. and then throw Moon Tower Counseling underneath it. <laughs> Boom. Bloop. Um, and, you know, really, the then there's, like, the everyday trauma, right, of, like, microaggressions. So that's, like, trying to figure out what's what. When I was in grad school, I uh, was applying to this one site for practicum and two people got to interview me. And the woman, this older woman, she was in it to win it. She wanted to be my fruit fly and a half. And the guy who interviewed with her, who happened to be a professor at the school at the time, could not stand my queerness. I could tell it was not for him. And it, it was because of it being so different, so challenging to, to him. And I could just pick up that vibe. And I knew I knew it was up. And it sucked in that moment to have, like, little T trauma like that. So, you know, a lot of therapy uh, is, is helping people recognize those experiences and then deciding what do you want to do with it, right? How do, you, how do you, one, heal, two, you know, work in a way that you can build community, build structure for yourself where you have less encounters of that? And that's kind of, like, where we started today in the check-in. Like, I... I don't have people in my life who, who are going to marginalize people and, and not level up it when, when addressed because I just don't tolerate that. Now, there's a pathway for reconnection, right? I'm like, here's the resources, boo-boo. When you're ready, I'm going to be here. Until then, you don't get to fuck with me. My time on this earth is limited and precious. I ain't going to spend it on your ignorant ass. <laughs> you, you can read this, level up, and join me over here. And if you don't want to, I'm not going to take it personal. It's not about me because I'm fucking fabulous. It's about where you're okay being. I like and what I, you said earlier. Go, go ahead, ahead. Sorry. No, uh, you I can talk way more profoundly than I do. <laughs> I can get I can get preachy. So we hear <laughs> Patrick every week. Like, <laughs> this is this is your time to shine. Oh, I shine all every day, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you said earlier about. People in the queer community just having that functional strength of being able to navigate social situations because you've had to be so adaptable from a young age. Um, and if you look at it through a social psychology lens, one thing that's that social psychologists have uncovered is universal with all uh, communities and cultures is the ability 
to build trust, but also avoid exploitation. And that kind of comes back to tribal communities of knowing which tribe to barter with, which tribe to trust, and who's going to be the enemy and who's going to, you know, kill you in your sleep. Mm-hmm. But so this is this is a similar parallel to what you were describing as to your experience. But do you do you feel that this translates? And it's hard to, to obviously paint a broad brush, and everybody's experience is going to be unique and different. But do you feel that this this functional strength of, of adaptability comes with more emotional intelligence or more likely a harder outer shell, which in itself, you know, speaking of trauma is a trauma response. Yeah. Or do you feel like it's a little column A, little column B? I think you get the the best of both worlds. You make it work for you. Like I am a bad bitch. Like there is not a lot that's going to get me down. <laughs> when Ted Cruz gets up and pontificates and I'm ripping at the moral fabric of society simply by existing, I'm like, girl, you're like Eddie Monster. Get the fuck out of my face. Like, I am not having it. <laughs> and I can also be soft and vulnerable. I can, I, can, I can have that hard shell up when it needs to be there. To be a queer person in Texas, you kind of need it. And I can, like, turn towards the people who I have, have seen um, the receipts that they are, they are ready to hold that vulnerability. They are, they are wanting to hold that space for me. And now here's what's really tough, because um, we've got some straight people here, or straight-ish people here. I don't know if anyone's really straight. 97%. Um, <laughs> it, it goes down 1% with every drink. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of this is, too, like, can we talk about allyship? <laughs> Sometimes yeah, yes. I, I am pretty fabulous, and when I do a lot of presentations when we don't have a pandemic. Like, I do bedpost confessions. Or like I will tell some sex positive story and there are definitely like fangirls out of that and people who want to be allies. And, you know, part of the, the hard thing about allyship, and this is for, for folks who want to be an ally to, to anyone out there, right? If you, have, if you have privilege and someone doesn't, just know we appreciate it, but we don't really want that. <laughs> like you, you can show up and show out and be the best ally in the world. You can put every rainbow on your damn body. But what I really want is to walk through the world with dignity and respect without the need of other people to, to give me access to that. And so, like, it, it's really challenging um, to, to be like, hey, I want you close as an ally. Can, can you really get it? Do you really see me? And do you really know what that means? Right. So this summer when we had, uh, like, the Black Lives Matter movement um, sparking up, you know, part of being an ally to a lot of my uh, black friends was being like, Girl, what you need? Where do you need me? What does it What does it mean to you right now to have support? Right? Do you need me to like boost your shit? Do you need money to support projects you're doing? And and really taking myself like what I think people would want or need out of the picture. And so like that that happens oftentimes for marginalized people is people want to be supportive and good and be like, I see you, I love you, I want you to like have it. And it's like, great, this is what what actual support would look like to me now. And some people have a hard time showing up in that way because sometimes that shit is real nitty gritty. Mm. I think a big uh, light bulb moment for me as a, as a, a, a wannabe ally uh, through the black lives matter uh, stuff that was going on over the summer is that uh, an ally is not a, a, a label that I give myself. It is not something that I identify as. I, I can't just go, oh, I'm an ally. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, rather, it, it, is, uh, it is sort of a, a title that a marginalized community will give you based on 
how you were interacting and and, and showing up for them. And that yeah. was that was a, a, a kind of a turning point in my own process of of really going like, okay, you can't just I like I, I can't just identify like I am an ally. Yeah, put it shout it from the rooftops. I have to act and show up in a way that that is proving that. And then those communities will tell me if I'm if I am being an ally. Yeah. And I need and what to I, maybe open that communication with them. Am I doing this right? Yeah. What I really want to is an accomplice. I want motherfuckers that are going to burn these harmful systems down. <laughs> I want the people who are going to say. <laughs> Partner in crime. Yeah. I, I got enough cheerleaders, mama. I know I'm fucking fabulous. People pay to see me. <laughs> That's perfect. I don't need it for free. What I need is people who are going to roll their sleeves and do the damn work. So, right but there I with like me. that because like what you were saying earlier, you know, confronting your own therapist, it's like, okay, I obviously said something that rubbed you the wrong way. Like if, mm-hmm. if someone wants to say that they're an ally, you know, that kind of comes with certain ex- implications. You can't just be an ally to your own comfort level, right? Like if you're going to say, mm-hmm. I'm an ally, I have the cool little sticker on my office door and I have a little rainbow flag on my desk, but then you start talking about, uh, same gender sex and it's like ooh, okay that's an uncomfortable topic for me then at the end of the day are you really an ally because you're not creating the safe space for this individual to come out 100 percent and talk about what they need to talk about yeah and then are you challenging the systems in mental health because let's keep it real ladies yep. mental health has not always been fucking kind to queer people and still continues to this day not to be yeah i mean talking about conversion therapy at some point yeah how many <sighs> states is conversion therapy still legal in Oh gosh! I don't think Texas isn't one of them anymore, right? Didn't Texas recently flip As an outlaw? Recently, which just says a lot about Texas and about therapy for queer people is that in an alarming number of states, uh, conversion therapy is still an acceptable form of treatment. Yeah, and mm. I think even beyond that, like I look at like I work with a lot of trans folks and how much like gatekeeping mm. it is for them to access like needed medical intervention for their mental health. The idea that like, if you want to get just like your tits done because you want big titties, that's fine. But if you want to do it to like align and with, with your gender identity, have that expressed to the world, that's somehow a problem. Go the fuck on mm-hmm. with this nonsense. And that we then as mental health practitioners might be gatekeepers for that, that we have to like write a letter for someone and the, the privilege of um, like that, that people get to, to not have to go through that process and how like, this is something that happens often. I get a lot of people who come to see me because people in our field don't know how to write those letters. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're like, Hey, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm not gonna keep you out of the office. Great. Can you help me get the hormones I need? So I don't have gender dysphoria. Uh, well, they didn't teach me that in grad school. Well, bitch, you better learn. <laughs> Cause I need it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think we are adapting, I think, as a mental mental health field. Like, we're all, we all kind of have to adapt. I just, one of the things that I did actually want to bring up to, to kind of go along with that, Adam, is um, all the letters, the LGBTQIA+++, um, all of them mean something, and every letter is, is it basically has its own, um, own individual struggles. So... Um, I think for someone to say that they're LGBT friendly or LGBT affirmative, um, a lot goes into that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a, a lot goes into you being able to advertise yourself 
And there are so many therapists out there who claim that they are LGBT affirmative and they are not. It's yeah. not a marketing like opposite. tool. This, this is not a marketing tool. Exactly. This is a, yeah. a way of moving through the world. Well, so, and I, I mean, I think it's something like, because I do mostly, you know, sex and relationship therapy. I get a lot of trans folks who come to me because they want to learn how to have sex in their new body. <laughs> and I'm like, you could be like, I'm LGBTQ here for it. And I'm like, great. How do you have sex in this new body? And they're like, oh, I don't know what to tell them or where to go or resources or anything like that. And I'm like, or, or and mama. And I'm a, I'm a, you know, I do sex therapy. And uh, uh, if you're not like, I, I don't necessarily know that I would know how to, how to, deal with that so it's like you need both of those pieces there yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of work it's a lot of knowledge to have um and i i think some of it is just owning it with people like i i know what i work really well with and i know you know how to lay it out for clients when they're coming to see me like i can talk about like the experience for for women who love women and i've worked a lot with it and know a lot about it so i i work with a lot of women who love women and i i can understand it but i can't intimately understand as much as I understand like men who love men. And so I'm like, Hey, I can get it to a degree. And if that's good enough for you, that's good. And they're like, mm. usually that's good enough. Sometimes they want uh, queer women. And I'm like, great, I'll hook you up. I know a lot who are amazing, smart, talented right. folks. So <laughs> I end up working, you know, since I'm talking to you face to face on, on, on camera, I end up working with uh, one of my niches is men's work. And I think particularly, uh, I, I, I do work with any, uh, uh, anyone identifying as male, but I end up working with a lot of straight white men mm-hmm. because I'm a straight, uh, 97% straight white man. <laughs> um, and I just more and more, I realize that the, this work on, on privilege and inclusivity is men's work. And, mm-hmm. and so I end up working on the, the, the other end. And this is sort of a value of mine that, um, like we, we can spend a lot of time, I'll, I'll kind of put it in perpetrator victim language cause it, 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 you know, just to simplify it, but we, we can work with victims all day, but if we want to see real change, uh, we need to also be working with perpetrators yeah. and Patrick, I know and, you can, you can talk to this as well, but so yeah, I end up working, yeah. uh, uh, so interested to hear what you you uh, you have to say about this, but I end up working with a lot of straight men on how to not be assholes. Yeah. That's the clinical term. Yeah. But also how to not internalize the homophobia, because I think this is a, a huge element of what we call depression mm-hmm. for straight men is uh, all about, uh, it's all about the, 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 uh, the contempt and it's contempt towards the self, but I'm also having contempt towards other men who are uh, expressing their gender in a different way. It's it's just it, I want to rid these men kind of do a contempt detox. Yeah, and that ends up being end up doing a lot of uh, the internalized homophobia and then the externalized homophobia. I I think for uh, the record, like toxic masculinity hurts everyone. Like it even hurts men. Right. right. Like this is why men are having fucking heart attacks at fifty because they can't have like vulnerable emotional connection with other people as easily. Right. They get told you can do that with the one person you bang and that's it. <laughs> and so, right. um, you know, like that, I think it's really great to, to expand it to people who are also feeling the harm of holding that power and what it means to, to do that. It kind of comes down to like in a prison, 
Like even even the guards are in a prisoner or in the prison, right? Like they're there too, and they're stuck and they're hurting. I do a lot of um, multicultural counseling, so I get a lot of uh, women of color who come in with like their white tech dude, and my job is to be like uh, the bro whisperer. And so, <laughs> oh, that was a uh, Mariah. That was a, a clapping at bro whisperer, not a. Not a cut. Wow, the bro whisperer. Yeah, so you know they've never they've That's never had to hold space. They've never had to to recognize privilege. They have no idea. They're in their own world, and so I, I part of my job as someone who was raised to be that way is to be like, "Yo, girl, I see you. I know what it's like. I know what's going down." And I might lean into their hurt first and their frustration of not having their needs met, and then I'll expand it to have them understand. Um, yeah, like I. I <laughs> I think for a lot of them, when you've had that level of privilege, you've never been asked to to show up and show out and be a part of community and, and do things. It feels like a big ask when you're already doing so much, right? You're already trying to be the provider and you're trying to like keep things like protected and safe, lover. all these things. And you're like, that's not enough. I'm not enough. And then and because that's coming ultimate time of usually from a partner, intimate partner, then it's like my masculinity is now challenged. 100%. So am I, am I really a man? Um, and I can be there in a tender place with, with my straight boys. Um, and I give them some big we talk moments. a lot about this in, in, uh, men on tap. Uh, if you're, you want to revisit that episode, there's a, just a little, yeah, they need it. Do you go ahead? Do you ever get, um, clients that come in? I'm trying to think how to, how to frame this question. It's it's a question of transference. Do you ever get let's just say do you ever get fathers of of gay children that come in specifically for the transference? They want to make sense of the situation or they want to process the situation but not be okay with the situation. Does that make sense? Um, like they're yeah, coming in to talk about the anger but not accept it and then I, what position does that put you in? I think I'm so rebelliously violently queer that they don't find me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like when I had an office space, I, I gave it up when the lease was up. I have a bright pink wall with like a picture of Dolly Parton. Those dudes are less likely to come to <laughs> yes. me. Now what I do get is, is men who love men who have internalized those messages and are looking to unpack them. And so like mm. they'll throw some shade at me because I'm okay with my femininity in a way that they are not. And we'll, we'll talk about that shit <laughs> to be like, Oh, you know, like that, that shame that that person held onto, it protected them, right? When I was like young, I learned to hate the fabulous parts of me so that I wouldn't risk food, shelter, love. So I wouldn't get the shit kicked out of me. And, you know, part of growing up as a queer person was learning to um, see that shame as a real basic survival skill. And I'm now not basic. I'm much more complex and I have pride that does all of that and more. And so I have to like Marie Kondo that shit and be like, thank you for doing what you did. And, you know, you, you get to go in retirement. You did a good job of keeping me safe when I had less brain power and resources and autonomy. And, you know, now we have pride. And that, that is gonna, that's going to pick up this and more. Um, so it is, it is challenging. I think I, I invite a lot of transference because people see me as um, either like kind of fiercely queer or because I do a lot of sex therapy, I'm like the sexy person. Like I'm okay talking about my kinks and fetishes and they're like, 
<laughs> usually, I can finally talk about this with someone. It's easy in that, that dynamic for them to, to want to eroticize me. Um, and of course, why not? I'm fucking gorgeous. It makes sense to me. And I just help them realize, like, what is it about me that you are really enjoying? And how might you find that in the dating pool? Right. Like I get to have this like very unique, special relationship with you. Not every motherfucker can be your therapist. There's only like one person gets to be that. There's a lot of people you could be fucking. <laughs> There's a lot of people that you could be connected with. So I could imagine with this sign of work, like uh, it comes with a lot of self-disclosure then from what you're I, describing. That yeah. You might not see in like the cisgender hetero therapy community. I have to be really um, mindful of it. I think of it as, um, very much like experiential therapy, like some Carl Whitaker where I'm like the chaos in the room. And yes. so if I have people who know who they are and their, their sexuality, like if they come in and they like know what the fuck they like, I'm okay being like, yo girl, I get it. I tend to like BFM Dom and like wrestle boys down and use and abuse them. It's great. Um, if someone's new to, to discovering it and figuring it out, I'm going to hold some of that back because I don't want to influence like their, their mapping their own sexual pleasure. And I'm going to give them space to, to get into it. And as our relationship deepens, as they discover stuff about themselves, then, you know, I might let some of my freak flag shine a little bit brighter for them. But, you know, I've done so many podcasts and things like that talking about this. If they want to know, they can know. <laughs> it's, it's out there. <laughs> What's your take on um, the just the coming out process and kind of what it – I mean, the average queer person has to – not come out until their late teens, early twenties. And I know that that if you're spending some of most of your teens, if not all of your teens having to hide your sexuality when your you know, your hormones are raging and that's when, you know, theoretically you can expect, explore your sexuality the most. I mean, from, from a queer person's view, but also a mental health therapist's view, what, what's your view on what that does to your sexuality of having to hide it so long? Yeah. Uh, first, let me say, I hate the, the notion of coming out. It's dumb to me because the reality yes. is people, people are more fluid in their gender and sexuality than we give them. And so I like to flip the script and be like, everyone's queer until they tell me otherwise. You got to show me those receipts, mama. <laughs> um so it it, one there's oftentimes developmental delays for folks in our community so if i can't easily date in middle school and high school i don't get to do that until college um i'm gonna have some of those big feelings and not have practice you know dealing with them it makes me think i had a a brilliant friend who is a, a neuroscientist brilliant smart as a fucking whip um realized later in life that she really liked women had her first like woman relationship and it lasted a few months and broke and she called me and she was crying and this bitch is not the one like she is very much an introvert she is not someone to like express that level of emotion for nothing and she was like what the fuck is wrong with me and i was like oh baby girl like you're having a big middle school feeling you've never you never dated a girl you never got to experience this process this and she was like this is dumb i hate it (laughs) and she was like smart enough to know Right, to, to be able to witness those feelings without investing much in them. Um, so that happens. Yes. I think oftentimes, you know, the ways that we navigate being okay, um, that plays in, in, in our sexuality and our relationships when we are able to be more authentic. So if I had to, um, let's say, like the very common experience of, I feel aroused and so I have to leave my everyday life 
in secret and go look at stuff online or go have a hookup and then come back to the everyday. Where over time, what you're teaching yourself is to like fragment your pleasure from your daily lived experience. You're saying like every day is not, it's not about me being able to be authentic and have pleasure. And that's something that's done on the side and hidden from people. And so then that comes out in all sorts of ways in relationship work. So I got people who, you know, are, are using sex as a way to, to cope with uh, challenges, which I'm here for, but they don't know how to do it in an integrated way. So then they might be hurting some of the people that love them. So like a partner's like, yo, you, you keep saying you want to be monogamous with me, but every now and then you go hook up with someone else. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta, you gotta be more integrated. You gotta be like, Hey, I can want 2.5 children and I can want to, like, beat this bitch down and, like, jizz on their face. Like, those things are not mutually exclusive. All of that is me. All of that is worthy of love. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the, the idea of flipping the script. T- tell me you're, uh, you're, you're queer until... Until you show uh, me the receipt. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I'm on, I'm on the, uh, the Moon Tower <laughs> Counseling Facebook page, facebook.com backslash forward slash. He did his research. Moon Tower Counseling, December 21st. I love this post. I wish it had gotten more traction, but but tell me you're queer without telling me you're queer. So mm-hmm. great. Um, mm. Mine would be Ryan Reynolds exists. <laughs> <laughs> and Burt Reynolds. Yeah. All of the Reynolds. R.I.P., bro. Uh, uh, yeah. That's a throwback <laughs> joke, by the way. And maybe to, to kind of... <laughs> Oh, we're kind of queer splaining today, Adam. I just, you know, I mean, we get mansplained at so many times. It's nice to just kind of sit, sit in this, sit in this space and have two straights who soak it. I'm soaking it. I'm saying, do you, do you guys feel like your butts are burning? Cause I, I put straight people on the grill, mama. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm like, I've been living in your world too long. You and my nastiest. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I, I when I lived in Dallas, I lived next door to the uh, the, the oldest gay bar oh, in the Dallas, hidden door. the Hidden Door, um, and I, I I'm kind of a, a bar fly, first of all, uh, and I love being a regular. I love uh, just uh, I have a few places here in Austin, pandemic pending, that I uh, I like to go go and uh, hang out there and sort of cheers. Everyone knows your name, and uh, I became a regular at. The hidden door, and this was about about ten years ago. But I walked in the 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 first time, and I was like, "Oh, the hidden door. That sounds that sounds cool. I wonder what what all that what all that's about." And uh, I I got put on the grill. I, <laughs> I so uh, I lived there about a a year. It was literally stumbling distance from my apartment there. So I uh, probably went there three or four times a week during that time, and uh, I call that my semester abroad. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> My year abroad, I really uh, felt like I was in You're on uh, a gay cruise. I was on a gay cruise. I was kind of soaking in the culture and and, and maybe some, some other things, but um, I, I it, it gave me a, a comfortability uh, with it as a as a stri- as a ninety seven percent straight guy. That um, I don't know. I, I'd recommend it to everyone. Go like kind of go get out of your your comfort zone. Oh my gosh, I have a a great uh, gay bar story. So I, I'm no stranger to gay bars. I I like it because there's just like this overwhelming sense of acceptance versus 
the average bar is just like competition regardless of like who is there it's just either competition socially competition sexually competition like who the fuck is this person coming to our like a home yeah, bar like physically i get a lot of straight guys that tell me i walk into the bar and i gotta like make sure that i i can beat up everyone in there yeah otherwise and i'm yeah, go, to, go to fourth street yeah. I walk, so I, I was i walk in the bar and i think i'm gonna beat all these bussies up <laughs> <laughs> so i walk into i, I want to not oil can harry's what's the one rain right. is it rain? Mm-hmm. rain they have those bomb ass like peach bellinis so i walk into bomb rain and i uh was at a motorcycle club at the time and it's, it's pretty standard to have like a handkerchief hanging out the back of your pocket to represent the color of your club and there was it was like during the day on a sunday and there was the these three or four men hanging out at the bar that had been in like their their 40s and 50s and they're just like eyeballing me the whole time i'm like oh do they know that i'm straight and they don't want me here is it because i'm a biker and i just look like like a gay bashing like you know angry biker kind of a person and then like i'm I'm smiling i'm waving like i think i ordered like their i paid for their next round of drinks or something and they come over and they're like young man uh what are you doing with that handkerchief and i was like oh well in motorcycle culture this is this is that he's like i want you to to pull out you're not gay are you and i was like no no sir and he was like i want you to pull out your phone and google handkerchief color <laughs> gay code <laughs> that's great and i forgot what, what what it was specifically it was something about uh not prostitution or something along the lines of prostitution or solicitation or something like that and i'm like oh okay okay so that was that was a nice lesson in culture but the way that they said it, it was just so like matter of fact and hilarious welcome and, to our culture patrick <laughs> yeah oh it's so weird being in like the sex positive spaces and queer spaces because people talk about topping and bottoming and those are very different things in these worlds <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh it, like I will have authority, or like I'm gonna like insert myself in you. <laughs> what, what are we talking I, about? I I ended up on Wikipedia looking up the handkerchief code. So uh, black is S and M, blue is anal, light blue is oral, brown, mm-hmm. scat, green is hustler, prostitution, mm-hmm. <laughs> gray is bondage, orange is anything goes. Yeah, purple is. Piercing, red is fisting, and yellow is water sports. What was yours, Patrick? Green. So what was that again? Hustler, prostitution. Okay, that's relatively tame. So I could have made some money is what you're saying. You could have. And the side You were buying them drinks, though. (laughs) (laughs) The side that you wear it on indicates if you are looking to, to, to give or receive that. So if you're looking to buy a boy or if you're looking to be bought. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a whole other so language. There's a lovely picture here. I'm going to show Patrick just to. Oh, there we go. There's some handkerchiefs. Ah, <laughs> because <laughs> you know we always didn't have grinder. You couldn't just be like, you know, a, a can true. of Crisco as your picture. You had to fucking make a code. You couldn't talk about it openly yeah. because you get the shit. Right. I was going to say we're, we're kind of we're kind of mm-hmm. laughing at Patrick's story, but the 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 whole thing behind this is like you couldn't talk about it openly for. Probably multiple reasons. Another thing I remember is uh, the tapping, uh, the tapping in the the bathroom stall. Like if it's like the foot tapping on the floor. And I remember actually being 16 years old at the Barnes and Noble on Highway Six and 529 in Houston, Texas. And I remember being in there, and I I was a hot 16 year old. It's like I know what I'm good at when I'm not. That was one thing I was good at was being hot when I was 16. I remember being in that that stall, and there was somebody next to me just. I don't know if y'all can hear it, but I'm tapping, and I'm tapping, and I'm tapping. 
that was the whole thing. I was like, um, they just left Los Cucos. What's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> they drove drunkenly drove up the road, drunk off of margaritas and, and wanted to. Yeah. So no, and that's, that's how I found out about the tapping. I didn't participate in whatever he was trying to Morse code me into doing with him. But yeah, it, it was, then I looked that up afterward and I was like, Oh, tapping. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Don't give that up on your, another thing. don't give up on your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> you're still hot by the way 16 years later thank you so, oh my god did you get read for how old you are that's rude that's a hate crime in our community oh man oh god <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a lot about the kind of out and proud and allyship and being visible and being confident the other side of that i remember i'm curious of what your feedback will be on this, I was young. I, I think I was still in my internship, still in grad school, where I had a client who came in for they their presenting issues that they had written on the referral form was anxiety and um, identity issues. And being biracial, um, that's just kind of like a, a community that I like to gravitate towards, like finding cultural identity. But after probably five or six sessions in, we kind of peeled back a lot of the layers. And part of it was he was a cisgendered male gay identifying cisgender male, but he, he was, he didn't want his sexuality or sexual preference to define who he was. That was just something that, 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 you know, I just prefer men over women. And that's, that's my jam. I don't want to march in parades. I don't want to be involved in the community. I don't identify myself as a gay person. I'm just a person that happens to be attracted to males. Um, but I ended up having to refer out because I feel like I was, I, I was, at the risk of doing more harm than good, or at the very least, just not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But what do you do in those cases? Because it was he what the the issue was that he was feeling pressure from his community because he did have several um, gay and queer identifying friends that were more of the let's get together as a community, let's do all of this, let's be involved, and not necessarily being ostracized, but feeling that pressure, like yeah. To, I mean, I, for it to be part of his identity, I guess. I, I break it down for people like this. Like, radical authenticity is about getting to do you. And so if you're not someone who wants to be in the parade or go to the parade, that's okay. It might make it harder to connect with people in the community. Um, but I think of, like, my husband. My husband is a dude who is very introverted. <laughs> He's like, I do not want to, like, be in no parade. I do not want to go, like, cheer people on. Like, he, he is someone who just wants to exist. And like watch Netflix and cartoons from the eighties. Like that is his jam. He doesn't get fulfilled. He doesn't feel like necessarily well up with pride in doing these things. He's just existing. I'm someone who like made a, a career <laughs> off of being like openly queer and out there. I fucking love it. I'm extrovert to the max. I want it all. Um, so yeah. everyone doesn't have to get down with it. I do. I do wonderful folks i sometimes get people who only kick it with straight people and so i usually like ask some questions around that because that might indicate that they are less comfortable with their their own identity their own self um Mm. particularly like in the world of sex therapy um i don't know if y'all know people who are more conservative tend to swing and people who are more liberal tend to get into bdsm and so I've had cases where people identify as gay, um, 
but they're more conservative and they can't like go into BDSM spaces and feel accepted and all that. And they don't like, they're like, I don't usually kick with queer people except when I want sex and I don't know what to do. And it's just like helping them get more comfortable with just the community. Like what, what comes up for them when they think about being around folks who are more queer or like me, aggressively queer. Um, so it's different for different folks. Um, I try not to pathologize what people give me. I try to understand it and then help them see if, if there is space for growth, if it's something they want to grow on. And if it's not hurting them, right? My husband's got plenty of gay pride being hitched to my ass. Um, he's, he's good. <laughs> Other people might feel isolated, lonely, and might, it might lead them feeling shame because they're not connected. Um, and if that's the case, then we talk about strategies for managing that, dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to do is tell like, I, I think it was like a, a, a very white person. I'm so white flower was a spice in my house. Like the last thing I'm going to do is tell black people how to fucking be black. <laughs> like I'm not going to be like, you must go out to that, like that March and be a part. No, if you got to stay home, you stay home, you take care of you, you do right by you. That's like step one. So. Mm-hmm. I feel like our, our field would be so much further ahead if, everybody adopted that perspective. Like, I don't want to pathologize. I want to understand. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. there's so many therapists that are quick to like, well, let's unpack that. There's something there, man. If I listen to a therapist, I think every motherfucker was a narcissist. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone, every person ever is a narcissist to a degree. Yes, we are. Like we are a little self-centered to survive. We are about our own pleasure. We're in our own world. It is okay. How do you do so without hurting others? How do you take everyone? Everyone, like, pay attention to me right now. Yeah, yeah Hayden's T-shirt just says Hayden on it. I, so. I, I haven't talked in a while, and I just wanted. To <laughs> hey, let's put the camera. On I, I, I didn't have a whole lot to contribute, but I just wanted to remind everyone of my existence. HaydenLindsay.com. Adam, Adam, take it away. It's uh, HaydenMLindsay.com. Adam, take it away. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, yo, I love, I just love queer people. I love what we teach the world. I can't tell you how many times I'm teaching people um, lessons from my queerness that help the most straightest, vanillaest relationships. Just how to talk about what you want for sex, just to be able to talk about uh, taking up space and so you don't have resentment. Just being able to like find your voice and advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. So. What about um, maybe one quick last quick topic i mean it's probably won't be quick because it's such a packed uh subject but what about internalized internalized feelings within the uh, the queer community like internalized homophobia internalized transphobia like so i very much break things down into two distinct groups for people right so we have like gay community and then there's like queer community (laughs) gay community tends to follow the hierarchy that's already been set so uh, fit, white, able-bodied, young, all of that gets to be at the top of the heap, right? You're at the top of the hierarchy, and anything else below that is less than. And queer spaces really work to circumvent that hierarchy and saying, like, no, like, fuck that. Like, all types of people deserve to be celebrated and seen, and they, they really work to uh, elevate some of the most marginalized voices. And so when I, when I work with people who are coming to me and have a really strong echo of shame, that survival mechanism that's still within them, I actually push them towards queer spaces 
I'm like, please go to Fat Bottom Cabaret. See these like women of size, people of size, queerness, putting it out there in burlesque, making you fucking eat it. It's going to teach you what radical self-love is. It's going to teach you that all bodies, all people are deserving of pleasure and being seen and celebrated. You know, I, I love gay bars. Lord knows I've closed down enough of them. Um, and, you know, when I go to a gay bar, I pretty much know who I'm going to see dancing on a box. When I go to a queer bar, right. mama, <laughs> you have no idea. It's going to be great. No idea. Yeah. I, so I, 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 as a as someone who works predo- again predominantly with heterosexual men, I, I talk a lot about the man box and the man box being this really confined space that uh, men are confined to, and it's not just a confined space; it is a hierarchy. And so I just I, uh, very like not even similar, like hundred percent exactly how you you described kind of the, the gay spaces. Uh, and so this is what I think that uh, white cis hetero straight men can learn from, yeah. from the, uh, it's, the it's really a, spaces. It's really about how to get out of the limiting perspective of what's good. Right. If right. I think this right. very narrow pathway, penetrative orgasmic sex, fit bodies that are useful. If I only think these things are deserving of praise and, and were the highest praise, I'm missing out on all that, the, the, the vast diversity of our world and all the pleasure that's in it, all the goodness. And that should be sad to me. Yeah. Maybe I ought to prescribe a year at the hidden door or some of these other. <laughs> Is that your version of ecotherapy? For, yeah, for all of my, uh, for all of my men listening, you know, my, my clients, yeah. Rob, Robin will take care of you up there. I, I really <laughs> love more straight guys to go to. <laughs> I really love for straight guys to go to a bar that is not for them because it, it is just a different world. Yes. Yeah. Get out of the, the, the sports bar, or the, you know, whatever the, the, the club is and, and go try something new. I will say something to that, that uh, Since we're drinking. these cis white girls that go to gay clubs for their bachelorette parties. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No. Mm. Go. So go with respect, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Go with respect and don't don't just be like, yes, queen, like to me, and I've never met you. Like <laughs> that's that shit's so annoying. Like, yes, go with respect. You're allowed I should circle back. You're allowed to go, but please go. <laughs> and if you're in my space, please respect it. And tip the dolls. Tip them. They they are not performing yes. for free, bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is their fucking living. You're like, oh my god, it's just like drag race. Yeah, but these bitches don't have like RuPaul money, so give them some money. Right, <laughs> exactly. So as a, as a 97 percent hetero guy, I'll go to Rain, for example, and you know, stuff a stuff a dollar in the in the G string, and then afterwards, you know, I'll be like, so what's your chest workout, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the beginning to every gay porn I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, uh, uh-oh. How does that, how does that uh, scene end for me if I go that route? Um, um, I've had a gay friend say that that they get... Um, they often get treated like a novelty. So bringing up mm-hmm. like the straight women going to mm-hmm. gay bars for, for Bachelorette. It's like, oh, I want to stag me a gay best friend. Like that's just That's just something that I want. And I can already... <laughs> Our listeners can't, or maybe you, our listeners can hear Ian's eye roll, but I can take that as a uh, confirmation that that does exist beyond my friend's experience. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, most most of my friends are uh, cisgender female, but they didn't particularly seek me out. Like, I want a gay best friend in search of GBF for, yeah, I don't know. That's just, that's a point of annoyance to me that it's like, we're not, we're, we're not property. We're not, you know, no, that's your to- gaze. tokenism. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, 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 it's limiting to too. It's very one dimensional. Like people who did that to you, Ian, would miss out on like your spooky goth side because they would just be like, yes, you're just did your homework. Yeah. They'd just be like, Oh, you just, you just like Dick. Okay. <laughs> and what, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean about you? What is what's the story you write about yourself and that you get to like collect me like I'm some fucking McDonald's toy? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm not here to keep you from doing <laughs> I'm not here to keep you get from doing your own work. The, the spooky gay, the sporty gay. The... <laughs> yeah. I feel like we do that w- with everything that we just reduce people to things that we want to see like, "Oh, you're you're a female comedian." It's like, "No, I'm I'm a comedian who is female." Or, "Oh, you're uh, a Latino this." And it's like, "No, no, no, I'm I'm a Latino that just happens to do this." And I I think that's why I love queerness. Because queerness leads with you are multidimensional, and I want to see all of it. Yes, girl. I'm creating wow. the, the the rainbow with, <laughs> with my mm-hmm. fingers right now. So. so on on a similar topic, out of curiosity, who do y'all feel asks more stigmatizing or ignorant questions, cisgender Patrick males or, or, cis- <laughs> or oh, cisgender okay. females? Like who, whether it's it's to to genuinely understand or out of ignorance, like who do you feel like asks the more invasive or Adam, do you want to take this? <laughs> I mean, I can talk about my experience. One, if you're going to pay me to show up and do this, mama, I'll take all those questions because I'm going to get them dollars. Um, <laughs> so please trust if it is a, is a talking gig, I know what I'm getting into. I'm going up there to educate people and I'm going to take, the questions that lack nuance and help them land and be be asked more uh, in a way that that invites connection rather than uh, a prickle of or twinge of like oh that feels creepy. Um, typically, though, I find that dudes are more curious about the mechanics of the sex. Like we often get reduced to the sex that we have. So who's who's topping who? Who's the woman? Things like that. Um, where I, with them folks who are, are maybe less in the world of queerness and seeing me as just like a gay boy, um, they tend to write their own narrative and just paint it on me. So when my husband and I, we got married, we opened our relationship and, you know, we talked about who we're going to tell. And there was one friend that he was like, I don't know if we should tell her. I said, okay, you know, it's your friend. It's, it's okay by me if we don't tell that person. And I did a talk that this one day about more than monogamy and she happened to come over for dinner and she's like, Oh, what'd you do today? And I talked about my topic and she goes, Oh, those relationships never work and blah, 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 blah. Like, honey, you are making a fool of yourself. And I just like told her then and burst into tears because in that moment, right? Like she had written this fairy tale about what it meant for us to be together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And to a degree, it's like the, the, like the hetero washed, cleaned up version of gayness and to a degree we have to do that shit like the reason we got the right to marry is because we picked Edie Windsor like your grandma to go represent us if they would have taken my like pervert kinky queer ass up there <laughs> the Supreme Court America had been like fuck this hoe she just wants to get like an STI get the fuck out of here 
Um, but they wrapped it in the package of what what was uh, going to really hit home. Here's this, like, older woman who loved a partner for fucking ever, and shouldn't she just be taken care of? Shouldn't she just be right? So I find that, like, dudes usually want to know the mechanics. Chicks tend to be writing the, the narrative for me, and I have to, like, bust that narrative up. I uh, oh, that, that's the herodo, uh, hetero hetero washed cleaned up version of gayness. What yeah. a great listen! <laughs> you can't be my phrase. Don't, don't you wow. can't be an ally that's if you great. don't want to hear about me like dicking down some twink in the middle of the night. Like allyship is not just like going to brunch with me looking cute. <laughs> it's about hearing <laughs> and about like how I brought Perfect. some man to his knees behind a dumpster at two a.m. <laughs> that's just it. <sighs> This makes me so uh, happy I, right now. I'm so happy right now. This is just, <laughs> Pervert so podcast, new band name, I call it. <laughs> Perversion on tap. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. Oh my gosh. I I back down to about ninety four percent. By the way, if y'all okay. Perfect. Is that three three cocktails? Wait, in? I'm all like this on cock. I'm like wait till you, wait till you see my dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> Our viewers can find that on mm-hmm. the, uh, the website. dot com or <laughs> your local police department. <laughs> APD. Alrighty, that is pretty much all that we had for you, Adam. I mean, at the risk of you know eating up your your Friday evening, I really appreciate you for just I mean being here with us. I feel like. I think I can speak to everyone on Therapy on Tap right now that you have enlightened us in so many ways today. You've just, you've woken me up personally. So I just, yeah, really appreciate you for just coming here, providing us your presence, your knowledge, your experience, like being vulnerable, as vulnerable as you did today. So I I just, yeah, really, really thank you. Um, I feel so like positively frustrated because when we sat down to plan out the episode topics that we wanted to do, we were really proud of ourselves. Like these are solid fucking topics, but now we're sitting down with you and I'm like, this should have been a fucking like three part episode. This shouldn't have been just like a one. Let's try to condense this like huge complex topic into a uh, 45 to an hour digestible mm-hmm. episode. Like, there's, there's just a, so much more. One Oh one course. Yeah. We are one Oh one. Yeah. You you're wanna, you're welcome. In. Anytime well, I, back. I appreciate y'all making a platform for my wild and out ass to come and keep it real. Um, you know, it, it is hard sometimes being radically authentic. It's hard sometimes leading the charge. Um, Cause as I try to like move society to a better place, it is easy to feel isolated in that. And so it's nice to have places that appreciate um, all that I am and seeing all of it. So I, um, I'm getting teary as I talk about it. Because, like, little 10-year-old me did not have that. And so it's a big deal to have. Um, so thank you for it. What a what a fucking love letter, though, to your 10-year-old self. And to yes. all the 10-year-olds yes. that are 10-year-olds right now yeah. that you've written with just your career and the choices that you've made and just who you've become. It's incredible. And all the 10-year-olds listening right now. <laughs> not. That's, that's our target audience is just, yeah, just uh, <laughs> 10 year old 10 year old queer kids is, <laughs> we get our marketing people on that right right away <laughs> well final takeaways from this episode y'all um i whoever wants to go first really if who, who wants to just kind of say what they're just really sitting with as this beautiful episode has progressed straight people or mostly straight people aren't that bad 
give them a chance. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll be a little teary-eyed. That means a lot. Uh, I've, I guess what resonated for me the most was the conversation around allyship, and it just seems intuitive that if you're going to consider yourself an ally that you would be accepting of all, but um, I think that 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 people don't understand that it's a, a lengthier conversation and it's really not your decision to make, like you pointed out, um, and it, it really comes with the, the responsibility to be radically accepting rather than just cafeteria I'll be I'll be comfortable with this. Just don't talk about sex, or I'll support your right to do this. But you know, just don't just don't put it in movies or TV shows. Like that's not allyship. That's mm-hmm. it's it's almost toxic. But um, yeah, that that conversation really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the allyship is not a, a Girl Scout badge that yeah. you that you wear. It's kind of something that you uh, you 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 perform. You, and you do it moment to moment and and you may not do it perfectly and you, you fuck up and you get corrected uh, by the people that you know are you're you're trying to ally with and uh you change course and and, and i think what it resonated most for me or I'm, i don't so much here resonated but i i, I go back to the uh, adam the prison metaphor that you used uh, i that hit home i uh, it's one i use a lot it's this idea that we, uh, especially for men, uh, or I won't say especially, but because I work so much with men, I talk a lot about the, the 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 stuff out the mental health help out there for a lot of men is about feeling better within the constrict confines of American masculinity. It is it's going to the prison psychiatrist is what I call it. It's like you can feel better, but you are still in in jail. You're still in the box. Um, you're in the man box. And uh, so much of our conversation today was about breaking down those walls and uh, that the radical authenticity, I think, is is that that pathway to uh, not just feeling better in the box, but uh, feeling better and, and doing better. Mm-hmm. And, and I come back to my 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 original like so excited to meet you because of the permission that you give people to to be themselves um, and the, and given the, given this podcast permission, I think to, mm-hmm. uh, to drink beer and, and be unfiltered. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You were tearing down walls today, I yep. think. And hopefully our, our listeners had some walls t- torn down for them. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here for us. Yeah. And just to add on to this little circle jerk <laughs> we're doing, um, <laughs> Um, I think my main takeaway again, Adam, you have paved the way for me and I think more ways than you might realize because when I first moved here from Dallas, Dallas has the reputation of being kind of conservative, stuffy, just not, not anything like what you represent. And that was still kind of floating through my mind when I moved to Austin and then I saw you. I followed your Instagram. I, I saw what radical authentic, authenticity um, was getting you. And and I just realized, like, I don't need to hide myself just because I'm a therapist. If one of my clients sees me twerking at rain, like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so I just, I think one of my clients this week asked me, like, you know, what's your podcast? You know, I was talking about them with it. And I said... What you see 
with me during session is what you would see with me outside of session. And two, two years, even a year ago, two, probably two years ago, I probably would have just cringed at that, at that concept of, oh my God, my clients are not supposed to see me. But now like, yeah, so th this, this space has really kind of just helped me um, just kind of solidify that. So thank you, Adam, in so many ways. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And I, I think, you know, I can't do this work alone. So I'm really glad to have people who can connect to the message. And I know I'm like a fucking clown sometimes and, and wild and out. And um, that's why we love you. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have people who, who can get it and spread it because mom of this world fucking needs it. <laughs> people, people are longing for some freedom. Come on. As a, as a fellow extra vert, uh, I see you. Uh, I, I'm I'm a little more vanilla. I'll work on that. This might be my 2021. <laughs> Vanilla's okay too. <laughs> Alrighty, y'all. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to get in touch with any of us, whether you want to have conversations about therapy or whether you are in Texas and want to become one of our clients, please see the show notes where you can find the best ways to reach us. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are enjoying the show. We will be back in two weeks. Thanks so much for listening. That was so gay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you.